This is Monday, April 5th, and today we're going to be discussing self-control and how that plays into maintaining your experience with the Holy Spirit, your intimacy with Him as you embrace the higher Christian life. The assumption I'm making is the fact that over the last three weeks, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. You've been convicted of your lack of intimacy with him. Maybe he showed you that there's more to this Christian life than you've experienced up until this point. You've probably prayed. You've taken the Romans 12, 1 and 2 passage and claimed it as your own, and you've surrendered and yielded and offered your body as a living sacrifice to him. Possibly you even prayed the prayer from a couple of weeks ago, the prayer of full surrender from Dr. Walter Wilson and surrendered every aspect of your body and your life to the Holy Spirit. And maybe after doing that, you experienced an intimacy with him. Maybe your spiritual life increased and maybe you struggled and maybe you found that the experience Again, I I hope you haven't made the error that most of us do initially as we strive for the higher Christian life, and, and that's to seek for signs and experience that somehow validates our faith. It really works exactly the opposite. But let's assume that you've struggled some. It's had a success and a couple failures, and you wake up in the morning and each day is not necessarily new. It seems like we're just dragging on like it was before your prayer of surrender. And so the question that you have, as many of us have had over the years, is how do I maintain this experience with Christ? How do I live a life in such a way that I don't grieve the Holy Spirit? Where does God's part end and my part begin? And let me go ahead and share with you from the very beginning, his part never ends, and neither does yours. But let's talk about that today, shall we? In an earlier post, the one we had from last Friday, we talked about the fact that it is possible, literally, absolutely possible for you to know and experience victory over the power of sin in your life. And this is all granted to you by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Our trust in him, our belief in him, our yielding more of our life to him actually is a byproduct of that. We're going to look at later on today in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, as a byproduct of that, that he will live his holy life through us and assure us of the fact that we have victory over sin. But this acknowledgement, this understanding, and this importance of knowing that fact only comes from faith. Only is imputed to you by faith. If God says, and he does say this, that he provides the means for you to have victory over sin, then our task is not to somehow conjure up in the flesh the ability to have victory over sin, because the flesh cannot fight against the flesh. But our task is simply to believe what God said and avail ourselves to every tool and resource and power that is imputed to us by the Holy Spirit. Nothing else is needed. Everything that you have is all that you need. As it says in Colossians, you are complete in him. The key is believing The key is having faith, and it's that key that opens up the door to the victory. So let's assume that we believe all that, and we accept all that, and we're moving forward with that understanding and that faith and that belief. Then 
how do we maintain the victory that we've won? We constantly have an enemy coming against us. We constantly have the enemy trying to rob us of the joys we have in Christ. So how do we maintain that victory? What part do we play in our sanctification? Or in other words, where do self-control and the higher Christian life, God's sovereignty and my free will intersect? If you remember from Sunday, the scriptures state that Jesus not only provided for our salvation, you know, forgiveness of sin, eternal life, going to heaven, the John 14 passage, but he also became for us attributes of God that profoundly affect our life in real time, our, our life right now, our, our life today, and provide for us what is required to live this higher Christian life. If you remember, we looked at 1 Corinthians 1.30, which says this, but of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, that's one, and righteousness, that's two, and sanctification, that's three, and redemption, which is four. He literally became for us by the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. We'll just look at three of these, wisdom, righteousness, and redemption. These almost seem like intangibles. They're difficult to grasp and wrap our mind around. It's like something that God does for us on his own free will, and yet we reap all the benefits, but don't even fully understand the gravity and the wonder of those benefits. But he also, note the wording, became for us what we struggle with today. He became for us the ability to live a life holy right now, today, without delay. He became for us this word sanctification, which is also translated elsewhere. We talked about this a few weeks ago as holiness and means, quote, both set apart unto God in a judicial sense. And it also means, quote, the power to enable us to be holy as God is holy. Jesus said to be holy as he is holy, to be perfect and complete, and Christ became for us that ability by instilling and imputing to us his character traits. Jesus became for us, that's a wonderful phrase, both of these wondrous truths and so much more. He became for us being set apart unto God and became for us the power to be holy as God is holy. Yet to fully grasp what Christ has done, we need to understand that the word translated became. Remember, he became for us. The word translated became means to begin to be or to call into existence. Think about that. In essence, it means Jesus became for us, are brought into existence, attributes of himself in our life that were not previously found in us. They had their beginning in Christ. And one of those attributes is the power to live a holy life. As 1 Peter 1.16 says, to be holy for I am holy. And this attribute is called sanctification. Jesus became for us sanctification. But that's only the beginning of our journey to the higher Christian life. I mean, once we understand and believe what Christ has provided for us and what it means for the Holy Spirit to live in us, especially in regarding being able to 
overcome this world or overcome the sins of the world or be an overcomer like it talks about in Revelation 2 and 3. Then the question remains, once I understand that, what is my part in all of this? I mean, what am I to do to maintain the victory in me that Christ has won and provided? Again, Lord, what is my part? And, and what is your part? Or where does faith end and works begin? Let me go ahead and answer the Last question first, faith never ends, never ends, and works never end. Once the victory is given to us by the person of the Holy Spirit, it is our job now to live according to the power of the Holy Spirit or to let him live through us, his life. It's our job to maintain that victory by living day by day, even minute by minute under the power of the Holy Spirit who provided that victory we now enjoy. There's no passive role here. It's an active warfare where we yield more of ourselves to him and he lives through us. And therefore we begin to take on the attribute of the Holy Spirit, which is holiness or sanctification, which Christ became called into existence in us. In order for this to happen, we need to understand this is our decision, our choice. It's literally a life we can achieve unless we lose it deliberately. This is where we either maintain the victory already gained and given to us by grace, or we open the gates of the fort and allow the enemy to come in and once again place us under bondage. It's our choice. And it's part of the sanctification process. And just so that you'll not think you're alone in this, let's see what the Apostle Paul had to say about his own testimony regarding this sanctification process. I think you'll be surprised. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Listen very carefully. Here's what Paul says. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, the goal in this Christian life, like I shared with you yesterday in church, if you're going to do this, then do it. Let's jump into the deep end of the pool. Let's be committed. Let's not be satisfied with just a participation trophy, but run to win for the glory of the Lord. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And how do we do that, Paul? And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Look up the word. The word temperate means self-controlled in all things, not just those pertaining to the race, but all things, not just those that make you a better athlete, but those things that can take away from your devotion to be an athlete. He continues, now they, running a physical race, as example, do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus. This is how Paul says he lives his Christian life, not with uncertainty, and that word means to not be resolute or to not pay attention to the marks or line on a track when you're running. In other words, not to just run willy-nilly any way you want to, but be focused on the task in front of you. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air, but... 
Note this, I discipline my body. Discipline my body. Remember, we've yielded our body to the Holy Spirit, but Paul says he even works harder to discipline his body to bring it into shape. And that word means to subject voluntarily, intentionally, my body to hardship, literally to mortify. It means to strike under the eye or to give a black eye. That's why some translations say, I beat my body and bring it into subjection, which means bring it into servitude as a slave. My body doesn't do what it wants to do. My body doesn't have a mind of its own. My body obeys me. Lest, he says, when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified, or that word means unapproved, unworthy, worthless, rejected, or treated as a castaway. This is Paul's testimony from 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. What Paul is saying is this, that in spite of all his blessings, the calling he had from God, the Damascus Road experience, the visions he had when he was caught up into the third heaven, all the miracles that God performed through him, the thousands of people who were saved, the insights he had into the heart and mind of Christ, and all the work that God accomplished through him, in spite of all of that, Nonetheless, he makes it his habit to practice self-discipline and self-control of his body in order to maintain his intimacy with the Holy Spirit and his victory over the flesh. He never took it for granted. It was a constant day-in and day-out battle for Paul. And if Paul had to be temperate or self-control in all things— Remember last week when we talked about on Thursday, those areas of our life that we need to self-examine and give to him. He's tempered in self-control in every one of those areas. How much more for you and I? I would, I would be quite intimidated placing my spiritual life and my holiness and my sanctification up against the Apostle Paul. Would you? And if so, maybe it's advisable for us to take his advice. Let me close by just driving this one point home. Maintaining a holy life is always a matter of choice. Every single day, every single moment, every decision that you make. We either do the things that please him, like Jesus said in John 8, 29, or we intentionally, intentionally, with malice and forethought, choose to grieve the Holy Spirit because we give into our flesh for some carnal pleasure that only lasts for a moment. The choice is always ours. We will maintain our relationship with the Holy Spirit, or we will obtain a relationship, a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we do it by surrendering our life to him and letting him live his holy life through us, or we'll throw it all out the window for a television show or an immoral relationship, or because it makes me feel good in the flesh, or for whatever lust that we give ourselves to. And literally, like in the Old Testament, we literally sell our birthright, like Esau, for a bowl of porridge. To seek and maintain the blessings of the higher Christian life takes effort. It takes some self-discipline and some self-control. It's simply saying no to sin and yes to God. But the hard part is you have to say this continually, continually. Please let this sink in today. 
And my prayer is that as we all strive to grow closer to him, your choice when faced with either sin or sanctification will day by day be easier to make and to choose Christ, to choose Christ opens up doors in your spiritual life, the fruit that you can bear and the intimacy with Jesus that you can't even imagine. I pray this has been a blessing to you today. Meditate on it. Think about it. Count the cost. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Have a great Monday.